Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the Chaps Chat Cats. My name is Jake, and I'm joined in a particularly laggy virtual studio. We're in some sort of strange multiverse of madness uh, by the one and only Sambo and Johnny, two gentlemen who I don't mind being trapped in a laggy virtual studio with. How are you, chaps? Good. Good. Welcome back, John. Welcome back to the oh, prodigal son. It's been a while. It has been a while. It's good yeah. to be back. How was your uh, sojourn? It was good. I had a good time in a couple of different states. Mm -hmm. uh, Sydney oh. was a city, which is yeah, just another big city with lots of Confirmed. people. Yep. yep. And then went down to Hobart for a, a four days. Five days in total, that's including a five day that went home in the morning, but Hobart was nice. I liked Hobart. Very hilly, very green, um, lots of forest, uh, just a nice nice area where we were. Where we were. A bit cold, though. As advertised. Yes. Did you, uh, did you get some good food and drink in your Johnny? Oh, 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 like, as a chef, was that a highlight of the trip? Did you, did you eat and drink good things? I think so. Um, I think, uh, yeah, some things were good. Some things weren't so fantastic. But um, okay. we, we didn't really go anywhere for the, you know, for the food and the highlights of the food. It was just more of the get away, do a bit of walking, a bit of sightseeing. Oh, I did try sake for the first time in Hobart. Mm, and that was it? not what I was expecting. It's How a lot so? more... Oh, yeah, normal alcoholic beverages have that sort of um, fullness and all that to it. And the sake is a bit more, it's got a bit more of a watery, lighter taste to it. So it's, yeah, just not what I was expecting. And a bit of an odd. Good summer drink? Flavor left on your palate. Yeah, it could be a good summer drink. But I liked it. Mm. Strong. It definitely will knock you around. And they don't give you much, which is. <laughs> A good thing. <laughs> Johnny and will you be can't drink taking that quickly. in a shoey by mid-December. Um, right, so if anyone, we're, we're glad to have you back. Thank you. If anyone could do a shoey of a sake I tried, then good on them. They mustn't have any <laughs> nerves left in their throats or feeling in their mouth at all because, yeah, it's, it's strong. It's strong. Nice. Uh, well, it's good to have you back, Johnny. It's lovely to have Thank you back you. on deck. Sambo, uh, good run this morning. The three of us plus some others have been making a regular habit of running around the lake locally and then going smashing a coffee. It's been nice, and today was a good one, I felt. How, how would you describe the form, both for yourself and the group? Give us an update uh, here. Uh, yeah, it seems to be a, a steady trajectory of uh, improvement across the group. I myself feel like I started pretty well, dipped a little bit on the second one, um, and then felt felt far better, far better today. Um, structurally sound, not dealing with any soreness or anything like that after the run after the running. But uh, they said after the runs that would be a. I did eat curry last night, so also we'll be watching the soreness <laughs> after the runs. Possibility. Hey. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I think we're having the, covers then. <laughs> I also had perfect. curry last night. Wow, we'll have to just keep everyone up to date about who's, whose curry goes through <laughs> in what manner. Um, 
but I yeah, structure <laughs> structurally sound. I'm the run the running is 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 not um you know, I'm not dealing with soreness after it. But I the the second one on that cold morning was a was a bit of a rude awakening for the old uh, cardio cardio health and um uh lung lung capacity something that I used to work at so much and I have just taken for granted over the last fifteen years. <laughs> do you think Do you think you'll be ready for finals, Sam? Do you think you'll be in shape? Absolutely, for absolutely. Yeah, I'm still still planning to make a run for that AFL career. You know. Never too awesome. late. Yeah. Nice. There's no no, no retirement announcements coming from us. You, you won't be soon because you had curry last night, so you'll be missing your runs <laughs> for long. Um, but no, Thursday. Thursday. Can't wait to smash out another run around the lake. Also can't wait to smash out our cats. V Magpies Week 22 recap, which is what we're doing on the pod tonight, which then flows in if you're Speaking a Patreon subscriber. <laughs> flows on from a uh, Patreon subscriber perspective into our Patreon player focus. We're going to take a longer look at Jack Bowes, um, who the the three of us who are sitting watching on the couch on Friday night seem to have a vastly different opinion of his performance and development than a large swath of uh, Cat's Twitter. So if you want to get that, go over and subscribe to Patreon, $3.50 US per month you get extended shows video shows and vfl coverage as well uh, and you also get to see that i am currently testing out a bandana because i've had the winter of scarves i'm declaring this the spring and summer of bandanas so i'm getting in early getting some early reps with bandanas going to order a couple more um so yeah treat yourself nice i like it i like the uh the themes you going Thanks, with the seasons I think it's a mm. good, Thank you. good way to change change your style up and you know test things out. I say it's one of those looks. It goes well with the beard. I think if you didn't have the beard, it yes. may be one of those questionable moves. But I think with the beard, mm. it whole goes well with the whole um, chic you're going for. Mm. Yeah. So, no, yeah. no beard and Full bandana. Aesthetic. I might, I might look like I'm. I don't know, like. <laughs> I was gonna. I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. <laughs> I uh, yeah. I had, I had stuff to say, but I won't say it here. Um, all right, <laughs> let's go into the Cats v Magpies Week Twenty Two recap. You just never know who you might offend. You know what I mean? It's all jokes, but you just don't know. Uh, you got to be. Careful. I think we've offended um, basically everyone on the planet already. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's get into it. Cats v Magpies. The cats went up to the MCG on Friday night. It was a hell of an atmosphere, even watching from home. It was loud. Though I will say, Sambo, we wanted to go and we're told, oh, no, it's a full sellout. It's totally fucking sold out. Sorry, can't get a seat. There was 80,000 in the crowd, which means by my rudimentary layman's mathematics that there was some 20,000 unoccupied seats. And so you could tell. Could have been room. Yes. Disappointing. Empty, empty seats everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm no, very disgraced. I would I would love to go and see that game. I would love to get along and support and experience the atmosphere. Um, uh, but but no. We're not allowed. This is a, this is a trend now. We wanted to go to the Essendon Cats game earlier in the season at the MCG, but same thing. So oh no, you can only get one or one seat or two seats together. 
There was like six of us who wanted to go. This was up in the nosebleeds. No, you can't. Then watch it. And there's like 50,000 people there. It yeah. really gives me the shits. Um, but anyway, yeah. let's get into the like game it. itself. Started very intriguingly, indeed, uh, a back and forward first quarter that the Cats ultimately got the better of. Um, goal for goal, the teams traded goals uh, early on. First 10 minutes, there are only two goals scored. The Cats then peeled off five of the next seven, got out at one point to a 38 to 16 lead when Jeremy Cameron kicked his third of the term at the 29 minute mark. But a goal to Jeremy Howe, nearly on the buzzer, just kicked Collingwood back within three goals. And from there, the pies really started to lift. Now, they did get an injury to Darcy Moore. Um, so, you know, an already decimated team just decimated further. Uh, and look, to be honest, that's the only injury that I really gave a shit about was losing that. That was the equivalent to us of losing like a Tom Stewart or whatever. I actually thought... Except they played a, better a once he was gone. Mm. Uh, yeah, that, that is true. <laughs> um, they also played better once Gary Rowan departed the game. Yes. I thought that was noticeable, and we only laid four tackles inside attacking 50 for the match. So early on, Cats' attack looked good in that first quarter. The Pies take over probably really midway through the second quarter, though there were there were sort of uh, warning signs early in the second term. But, yeah, from midway through that second quarter, the Pies peel off, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven goals unanswered to blow the lead out past 20 points. Cats respond with a couple uh, late in the second term and, and narrow it at one point to, what was it, nine points, eight points, something like that. The Cats kick the opening two goals of the final quarter. Dangerfield, then Cameron, then a couple of behinds. Cameron kicked two behinds after his fifth goal, no, his sixth goal, rather. And those chances that went begging really, you were left wondering what might have been because Collingwood went straight up, kicked three goals in a row. The Cats answered with the final three of the game, but it was too late then. They go down 15-11-101 to 16-13-109. Chaps, an interesting one. Uh, I'll go to you first, Sambo, here, and then Johnny. For you, just your general thoughts. We got some of what we wanted. Jeremy Cameron kicked an absolute bag, um, but we just could not stop Collingwood scoring uh, through sort of the the middle of the game, and it cost us. Yeah. Look, it feel it, yeah, it was a weird game. It felt characteristic of the season in terms of we just can't quite get it all going, but it did not feel characteristic as a game for the rest of the year because I feel like we actually did get everything we asked for in the preview. Um, I feel like the midfield played one of their one of their best games. We won the contested possessions. We won the clearances. I think we I think we won the hitouts. We did, yeah, we did just narrowly, but we won we won the hitouts. Jeremy Cameron was on song, kicked a bag. Like if you didn't look at the final score line and you showed me all those stats, Jeremy, um, Jeremy Cameron scores our contested possession, our hitouts, our clearances, um, then I would have gone, sweet, that's that's everything we asked for. Dangerfield fired, Atkins fired. Um, 
but the you know it's 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 two steps it doesn't it's not one step forward two steps back this year i'm not that cynical it, it's it's two steps forward one step back i feel like every time we we are improving but just not at a really cracking pace because we didn't even mention the defense our backline in the preview because why would you like our, our backline so no so need solid to worry depend, about the backline dependable <laughs> and i actually and i actually you know i'm i'm not raging or annoyed but i am this is finally one of those games where i am actually the, the way that twitter sometimes is when you look at the scoreline and you go oh, the backline didn't perform that well and i actually do think that that's that's true i wouldn't single anyone out individually there were some great performances in the back line, um, I actually did think as an individual, um, Radigalia did pretty well, but as a unit, it was just a bit of a bit of a shambles. Which we've we've I don't know I don't know if we need to talk about that later or not. Oh, like you've you we've done some pretty interesting deep dives, Jake. After our conversation, you went and mm. did the math, put the science to it on the um the output <laughs> of the back line with or without. Radigalia, and this is not against Radigalia as a player. I think he's good, and I think he's improved, and I think he had a really good individual showing. But we just look disorganized, um, and for everyone else to be firing, if our backline was up to snuff and perform and was as miserly as they have been, I think we smashed that game. If we were able to to turn it over in the back line and move it out of defense the way we normally do with our midfield playing the way they were with Jeremy Cameron playing the way he was. Um, I think that game's an absolute bloodbath. Um, but I'll, we did our back line didn't. And also Collingwood did also set up really well. A lot of people are talking about their, mm. their on ball stuff, the passages of play, their uncontested possessions, which were great and they smashed us in. But I think their off ball movement was actually what, hurt us the most um their structure and they're setting up around our defensive 50 when we were doing the kickouts and that it's never a good sign when the cats are stagnant off the off the back line um so you know i think there were some things some really silly mistakes some fundamental mistakes in really crucial moments um Mm. but not to take anything away from collingwood i think they they did play pretty well both both i wouldn't call them on a completely decimated side both teams had some significant injuries and i think collingwood dealt with those losses better than better than we did yeah i i just before i throw to you johnny i'll just chuck those stats in um or maybe we'll get your thoughts first johnny we'll get your general thoughts and then we'll we'll deep dive into stuff further what were your sort of takeaways observations um yes how did you feel watching it like just emotionally ah pretty started off very happy going oh yes we're on and then i think it was in that last in the first quarter and it was like the commentators like oh the cats don't want to give up a late goal here or the pies don't want to give up a late i think it was the pies don't want to give up a late goal here because that would really make it tough and I thought, oh, fuck, now Pies are going to go back, get a mm. late goal, and it's going to change everything. And as soon as they got that late goal in the first quarter, I just thought, fuck, this is not good. And the way Rowan was mm. on and off the field. And then, yeah, that second and third quarter happened and just couldn't, as I said, they just couldn't get their hands on the ball. They just could not control it, could not get any 
flow back into the game, which was crazy at how well they started off and then just couldn't mm. continue on that really nice form. And full credit to Collingwood, they shut us down very well, didn't allow us to do what we were doing, and then good teams do that to other good teams. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like it's pretty a pretty common theme of this year. We're going getting a really good start and then just not being able to continue get on throughout the whole game and then finding the form in like the third, fourth quarter and nearly winning it. Sort of like that roller coaster. Yeah. Where it's been going really well. Then it sort of goes downhill. Then they start picking it up again. And once they get the roll going, they are really you know cats are pretty much unstoppable, very unstoppable like um every most years that so, yeah. Once they get going, they're really difficult to handle. And and unfortunately, it just, as Sam said, just those couple of really costly and uncharacteristic mistakes by a couple of players in that fourth quarter really just nailed nailed that coffin on for the Cats, unfortunately. But um, it definitely showed the amount of work Dangerfield's doing this year, being the only, like, senior... Um, star player that the cats have got at the moment, and he's definitely carrying a lot. Um, so that sort of was good to see Dangerfield being able to do that, lead, do a lot really well, carried a team for a bit. But as soon as he went off, you could just see that drop off that where the next level of guys just couldn't do Dangerfield level things. Um, so yeah, it's it's tough, but tell you what, it's it's still good experience for next year, um, for next week, next couple of weeks, because still got a good chance to make the finals. Whatever, um, I think do think they've got the capabilities of getting there. It's just, I think it's only can they stop other teams from getting that momentum and running over the top of the, the cats a bit before they you know turn it back on them. And I think that's. So I'm going to have to watch out with the Saints because they can move it well. But overall, pretty definitely disappointed on the night, but looking back, still pretty all right about it. I'm not looking back at it going, oh, what a opportunity missed there to really submit a spot in finals. It's just like, well, it's just a story of our year. Things are going well, they're not going well, it- and then they sort of get back on track and then it's just a little bit too late. So let me let me follow up with some some stats on what you've said, Johnny. I just went and had a look. The Cats currently rank first in the league for first quarters won. We've won 16 first quarters this season. Then we rank uh wh- wh- where are we? Uh 13th for second quarters one, we've only won eight second quarters this season. Uh, and we rank 16th for third quarters one. So 13th and 16th for the second and third quarters one. First for first quarters. And we're fourth for fourth quarters. So either end of the game, we're in the top four. We lead the league in first quarters. But in that middle, we are bottom three and, and you know bottom five, bottom six. So it, it goes to exactly what you're saying. We can all think of games. The Port Adelaide game over in Port Adelaide. 
We absolutely raced out of the blocks. And it, that game reminded me a lot of this Collingwood game, except I felt we actually, we probably competed a little bit better through the second and third quarter despite losing. And obviously in the last as well, I thought we competed a bit harder. Um, oh, just more competitive. It was a closer game. But they had that same hallmark of like where Geelong gets within probably, I felt like we were in a, within a goal of breaking their back. I feel like if we got that late goal and it was 44 yeah. to 16 going, I was like, I think we could have Darcy Moore's injured Geelong are five goals up. It allows us to play a little bit differently, you know, and then same deal in port. It was just like another goal and we might've had them. There's a few games this year where I feel like it's the same. Even the first game of the year, I can't remember exactly how it played out, but I feel like the first game against Collingwood was sort of similar. Was, you know, where, yeah. where we really could have blown it away and, and we just couldn't quite. So credit to Collingwood. I, I I had huge respect. Actually, I know we've had our jokes about Craig McRae and like the don't be a loser body language thing. It actually did strike me late in the first quarter how there was no doom and gloom faces on the sideline about Darcy Moore. There's a mm. lot of smiles, a lot of laughing. And then on the sideline, a lot of high fives, a lot of pats on butts. And it was just like they had the ability to be like, okay, we're just resetting to 0-0 to a scoreless game. And we're just going to play our normal game. They did not seem phased. And I thought that's pretty impressive. Um, I, I was impressed by that. Um, and so that's the, that's the stats on the first and last quarters. But let's dig in on the back line a little bit. And I wanted to preface this by we've had this opinion all season that or it's built across the season that the thing we've noticed about Asava Radigalia and Tom Stewart playing in the same team big rat has really improved as an individual player like he's a very impressive individual defensive player there's always highlights great spoils and things like that however we've had the impression that the defense is not as organized in those games, that the balance is just not quite right, that there's an extra chaos factor. And I we wanted to look at the numbers with and without Big Rat uh, in a couple of categories, points allowed and also marks allowed inside 50. And so I did the comparison. Now, it should be mentioned too that it'd be worth running these numbers through, you know, Jack Henry in the side, Jack Henry out of the side, all these other mm. things. You know, you could... You could look at that. There could be a correlation there. It could be as much Jack Henry being in or out as it is Rat. But there's also it was interesting sorry, just that really not... quickly. Yeah, there's go. also the the fact that it doesn't necessarily correlate to wins and losses either. This is just about 100%. how the backline looks, how we looks. feel like they look like they're operating, and then this this is some data that kind of you know is mm. is is leaning towards supporting that theory. It doesn't really have any overall bearing on whether we won or lost the games but um you know without being able to replay re-simulate the matches with and without mm. um so it's not like yeah it's not like a win-loss thing or a, or a hard fast goals versus no goals thing it's it's just the way it seems to operate with or without him so we've now we've, to, to be fair we've played i think i think it's seven games without rat and 15 with him or something like that it might be six and 15 or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. um, so Geelong's average points allowed without 
radical area in the team. We've averaged 71.3 points per game allowed. Um, and that's uh, with one game of 100 plus points conceded. With him in the team, we've averaged 82.1 points. So it's nearly two goals extra per game. And we've conceded five games of 100 plus points. Uh, marks allowed inside 50 without Big Rat. It's 10.5 per game, including two games where we've conceded 15 or more marks inside 50. Um, that's that's without Big Rat. With, we've conceded 13.4, so three extra marks inside 50. But that also includes seven games of 15 or more marks conceded. I thought this was a really interesting one, which was the last four games with Rat versus the last four games without. The last four games we've played with Rat in the side, we've given up 60 marks inside 50, averaging 15 marks allowed inside 50. And without him, the last four games, we've let through 31 marks inside 50 at an average of just 7.8. So last four games with, Last four games without, we've conceded half as many marks inside 50. And I just think that that, you know, when you break it down as a percentage, it's essentially 46% of games played with Rat in 2023. We've conceded 15 or more marks inside 50. And in 33% of those games, we've allowed 100 plus points. In 33% of games without Rat, we've conceded 15 or more marks inside 50. And in 16.6% of those games, allowed a score of 100 plus. So, as I said, there's a lot of other factors. And if anyone has the capacity to go and analyze it, would love them to do it. Um, this is sort of as deep Absolutely. as I can take it. But it seems to match up what we've what we feel we see, which is he's a great individual player, but as far as that backline functioning as a sort of a watertight unit. I feel like we are more disorganized and the balance isn't as solid. I don't know yeah. if you, yeah. Uh, I think, I think, I think what he, what he brings to it is, you know, because he's a good individual player and he's improving, he does make up some of the ground just with pure raw talent, like that running back with the flight, perfectly timed spoil early in the game against Collingwood. Like, he can do some brilliant things like that. And that's why we, we don't necessarily lose just because the back line's not, not playing as well. But it kind of comes down to what you value more. Do you value chaos and a, an exciting willy won't kind of like, maybe we'll, maybe we'll stop this, maybe we won't. Um, mm. Or do you, you know, value maybe a slightly less star-studded, but, but, more mm. consistently functioning backline. And that's what I feel like we had. And yeah, I, I feel like I equate rat to, I don't know if you guys can re relate to this or not, but if you're working a job, especially a job that you knewish at, you, you, you know, you've been there long enough mm. to know what you're doing <laughs> and you can perform the role and you, you go about it. And the way, mm. the way your temperament at is where, where your level of focus and anxiety is at when you're on your own and in control versus oh yeah, the you're working with the manager today. The manager is going to be on site and suddenly you're like, I know how to do this, but you're thinking mm. through it all. 
And that's how it, mm. that's how it feels with me with Rat and Tom Stewart, where <laughs> where where Rat's kind of like he's got the the potential, and he does it all, but he's he's like overthinking it, and he's like he desperately doesn't want to piss off Tom Stewart, and he he wants so badly not to piss off Tom Stewart that he keeps pissing him off. <laughs> like, like that's I just I like I can feel like I can relate to that uh, in in a job scenario, mm. especially when you're you, you know you're a younger person and you starting out and you feel like you've got it. And then suddenly you're like, oh, someone's watching. Someone's watching. I've got to, wait, what do I do here? How do I do this? I've done this a million times. How do I do it? And and that's just kind of the kind of the vibe I get. And it's not maybe super helpful analysis for, hmm, how do we fix this? But I, I do just think that, and, it, and it's why as much as I love him, I wouldn't be opposed to him finding another home, like an, a, hmm. a club that he wants hmm. to go to that really wants him. Because I think he could have a more consistent career. I don't think yet, until we get some retirements in that back line, I don't think he's going to be a starting key back man. He's always going to be coming in for injury and stuff. Um, and if he goes somewhere else where they've got a bit of a like a lease, like he can come in as you are the pillar that this defense will form around. And mm-hmm. it's, and the, the pressure is on him, but also the, the, just the responsibility and the control. Whereas at the moment he's got the responsibility and the pressure, but no control because he's not the mature senior experienced back key backman. That's he's, you know, he's, he's performing mm-hmm. a role and that's Tom Stewart. So I do think that, he could go somewhere else and he'd be one of those players where people are like, well, I bet you're sad you let him go. <laughs> like, cause he could yeah. go somewhere and just absolutely dominate. Mm. Um, Wouldn't but, surprise me yeah. one bit if he does, if that does happen, he does leave and go somewhere else and does dominate. Cause no, it just feels like he's not far from realizing that. And you got to remember, this is why his first year playing defense and He's been, yes, he's been in AFL system for a while and he's still trying to figure out where he plays. But the first time playing defence in a really good premiership winning defence, mm. um, it's mm. it's going to be tough to find your feet there and not going, if I don't perform this week, I'm out. And as soon as this player gets fit, I'm, I'm out. And all these other just other threats coming in your mind going, oh, if I don't perform well, this game, then they'll probably pick another guy who's around my level to come in. Uh, I've just got to play at my top level all the time. And as soon as you start adding that pressure, like any any other job, you're going to make mistakes. And sometimes they look really silly and st- stupid, but everyone does it. Everyone makes silly, stupid mistakes. Um, Even Tom Stewart, he's done some silly mistakes that he'll go, how did I stuff that up? You saw Isaac Smith do the same thing, um, make a mm. really unlike him mistake that was really bad. It was Stanley last week. And it was Stan- yeah, it's just like, it's, it's just that thing where if you put too much pressure on yourself at a certain time, then you, you're going to stuff it up. And I think and that's, maybe Rat's that's- doing that a bit. Mm. But you can see him, he gets better each week. And yeah. He does, but and, and and that's where I guess this conversation comes back is he gets better each week and he is actually a really good player and he does really good things. And and also, like you said, he you know, and we've been alluded, he can make mistakes here and there. And that's not even necessarily the issue at the moment. It's 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 the way the back line as a whole works. And that's why you can't pin it all on his shoulders. 
but it does seem to be an element. Mm. It's not rat comes in and we're bad. It's Radaglia comes in and the changes we that we have been forced to make or we have made because he's coming in overall weaken the back line. Even if he's our best defender for the game, as he probably was against Collingwood, the, the back line doesn't function enough. So you've just got one really good um defender. Like I thought I thought Tom Stewart's game was quiet. Like we haven't really talked about this off even off the pod. I thought he had a bit of an mm. off night, and I think that probably mm. comes from an inconsistency of position. Started in the middle, threw him back, went middle again. Like he he kind of kind of got thrown around a bit, um, and everywhere he went, he seemed to be really ticked off and annoyed. <laughs> like which, whichever whichever position he was playing in, um, people were, when he went back, people were getting in his way. Radigalia, Guthrie, Collajasny, Collajasny. Heaps of people <laughs> got in his way, um, and again, that's yeah. like that's just stuff that doesn't happen in in yeah. the Geelong defence. And so it's not maybe so much the addition of Rat so much as it is the the disruption of what Tom Stewart's role is in organising and leading that backline. Um, mm. So I don't think they can't overcome this with Radical Ear in there, but I think at the moment this is just what happens when. Radigalia is in there and it's a chicken and the egg thing. Is it because we change things to allow Radigalia in there or is it because of the things we've had to change and those things have also meant Radigalia has to come in and Tom Stewart's been moved up and, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. And the, you know, I, I, I also miss, miss Buse. I felt Buse's yep. touch was, was lacking against Collingwood. I thought we were a little top heavy. Um, Can play on smaller forwards. Yeah, and that really like it was already an interesting choice, the the backline that we we'd gone with against Collingwood, um, mm. and then once they lost Darcy Moore and moved some things around and brought Jack Ginevan in as well, it was like, it was like giants trying to chase ants around because <laughs> around, <laughs> we had all and like, and this is also just a little side note, Tom Tom Stewart got outmarked by Jack Ginevan twice. That's yeah. That's yeah. unusual. That is unusual. <laughs> you know, you know, Tom Stewart's got himself in his got inside his own head when an opposition players outmarket him, especially straightforward, that's shorter and less yeah. experienced and and not known for their aerial ability, really. Exactly. Yeah. So I think. Yeah, I think. Yeah, Tom Stewart just seemed to get more and more pissed off as the night went on, and I think it was just a whole of like midfield as. Set midfield wasn't playing, getting their hands on the ball, so it was coming in quick. They weren't able to set up. Things were happening. Mistakes were getting happening. People were getting in his way. So I think it's just one of those years where Tim, Tom Stewart's just constantly pissed off at the moment because it's not working the I, way he expects it to work, which is fine. And tell you what, it's as we've said, it's all learning for a lot of players and all learning for us fans as well. Do we? What we've never really discussed about it. it. We've never really discussed it beyond just like, oh, oh, Tom Stewart's in the middle. What do you guys think about Tom Stewart playing in the middle? I don't mind. I don't it. think he's bad at it, but I'd, I'd prefer to have him playing the role he's been an All Australian at. Mm. Yeah, like I think I don't mind it. I can see the idea behind it, but I also think that, as Jake said, he's he's an All Australian in defence for a reason, um, and I think. The ones that are the midfield that's there now is doing a fairly good job. 
yes, they get overrun in quarters here and there, but on a on a whole, they're doing a pretty pretty decent job. They we're only missing one key player at, or two key players at a midfield um, mm. to really make it sing. Um, hopefully, those two can make it back this year because I think if they do, it'll be a much much better side. Like it'll be a much better midfield and be winning that midfield battle a lot more. I think I think it's really interesting, like as far as the Tommy Stewart down back thing goes. Like I just think of so many performances this year that are just like consistent with his career. Mm. Where it's like it, I know I use the term swashbuckling a lot, but like he kind of is that. And this is this is what I feel like his game loses when the balance is like him, DeConing, Guthrie, Radagalia, Collajasny, like they're five fairly tall players, is that it seems like he gets sort of pushed up the ground and like he's normally the one that's sort of got that license, the, the, the license to kill kind of thing. He's the one who can just sort of do what he likes and, 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 sort of float around the 50 and take intercepting marks. He doesn't necessarily have to be responsible for someone all the time. But it also feels like that's the best use of Radagalia from a marking perspective is like, we want you to float and take intercept marks. Now, someone, again, someone you know might come back and say, that's not it at all. But that's the way it feels. It feels like and and this is something I would say, and it's a really like weird thing to say because I'm a massive Chris Scott fan, I, and I've said it to you, Sam. We've talked about it on the pod that sometimes the Cats have like project players. They can see something that other people can't, whether it's Mark Blixarves to start with, you know, his career, or, or um, Brian Myers. People keep going, why is Brian Myers always getting picked? And it's like, ah, they finally worked it out, what to Get do wrong. With. Exactly, Gary Rowan. So then you look at Rat, and they're like going, as you said, Chris Scott's got the quote, who's, who's your favorite player? The player that Asava Radaglia could be. And I feel like that really tells in the selection hmm. because it's like we're going to move Tom Stewart out of the role that he's comfortable in and gets all Australians in because we want to keep getting games into Rat because we think that he can be something special. Now, he absolutely could be. That's a potential outcome that he stays at the Cats next year and it all works out totally within the realm of possibility. It's just that this season, it feels yeah. like we're, we're paying a bit of a price for, for, mm. for, the, for another project player, um, which as I said, if it pays off, fantastic. But it does feel that we are a better team this year. We're, we're a more organized backline. Mm. We're a more miserly backline. Um, when Tommy Stewart and Rat aren't in the same team, and I, uh, I would say this: the the couple of games that I've seen Rat go back and play in the VFL this year, it's been much the same. You know, like it, it, I haven't thought. You know, you sometimes watch an AFL player go back to VFL level, and you're like, wow, that player really significantly lifted their position group. Mm. I didn't feel like that. So. Um, I just, for Fair instance, enough. just for interest's sake, did a Jake Collajasny v, you know, with Jake Collajasny without Jake Collajasny. 
uh, I might go and do all the defensive players just for shits and gigs at some point. But we are conceding 77 points per game with Collar Jasney in the side. And without him, we're conceding 87.8. But it is a much smaller sample size, the the four games we've played without him. It's only four games versus like 17 games. So it is hard to tell. Not bad. That's not a bad turnaround for Collar Jasney. So he is a good partner. Yeah, and I think it's just a balanced thing. I think the Jed Buse thing was weird. Um, mm. Let's talk a little bit about the midfield because, like you said, Sam, leading off, we actually we won the clearances, forty-four to thirty-six, big tick. Mm-hmm. You know, up plus eight on our season average. We just shaded the hitouts. We won the contest. To possession count, 137, I think it was, 137 or 130. Uh, we probably got killed a bit on the uncontested possession, minus we 41 there. But mm. we, we, yeah, like, what did you guys think We, we evened it up. We did even up that, that uncontested possession by the end of the game. And there, at some point in the third quarter, the differential was huge. It was, oh, it was, it was massive. It was absolute smashing. Uh, so I think in the in the fourth quarter we did manage to string about fifty uncontested possessions together to like to pad the score. Um, uh, but you know I I love that we won the contested possessions. Uh, I love that we won the clearances. Um, Tom Stewart, uh, sorry Tom Stewart, Tom Atkins and Dangerfield big ticks for me. Um, yep. I liked Bose. We'll get into Bose later. And I thought Tanner Bruin also. Put in a solid Tanner Bruin performance. I don't think it was like his best game, um, but I thought he did Tanner Bruin things. Uh, I thought Holmes nearly nearly got there in the where we where we expect him to be. Um, like I was really happy with the midfield again. If the backline was working the way the backline has worked in other weeks, and we had this midfield performing this way. I, I think I think this could beat anyone. I really I really do, and I know it's it's maybe weird to say because we didn't win the game and we didn't necessarily smash Collingwood in a lot of those areas. But I just I just love the way Dangerfield was reefing the ball out of, out of there and banging yeah. 11, 11 inside fifties. I think, um, yeah, game high eleven inside fifties. Um, and then Tom Atkins, I thought also like his his pressure, his his second efforts were great. His Handballs were really good. He was linking up really well when he did win the ball. Um, I thought those guys were doing everything we could expect. Um, and honestly, I think the big thing that I didn't think about during the game, but the, looking back on it, I think you could just tell we were missing Blixarves because yeah. the ball was rocketing out of our midfield into our back line pretty easily. But you look at it and you go, but everyone's playing so well, but I think we were just missing that presence, that presence of Blixar's that, that can slow them down a little bit. That can, like his, his coverage is so, so good. Cause he's so big. He's so fast. He's so good at reading the ball. I think he's, he has the power of slowing down the opposition's move out of the center into, into attack. And you can also push it wide. And this is also what Tom Stewart does when Tom Stewart's playing well. You just see the presence of Blixarves, the presence of Tom Stewart. You can just see them always spreading wide because they don't want to use that corridor because they're like Blixarves is there. Tom Stewart's going to be floating for the intercept. 
Um, and you just saw that that wasn't necessarily the case. You could just tell there was sort of this whole, there was no big moments where you're like, oh, I wish we had Blixar's right there to do it. Um, but just there was this overall presence of like, ah, oh, there's a, there is a bit of a void between the arcs. There definitely was. And it was felt most currently in the second and third quarter. I think where Dangerfield was doing a lot and he was trying to get the team moving again. But, you know, every time he got the ball, he was pretty much taken down instantly by bagpipe players and young guys, other young midfielders aren't really, as I said, not not at a Dangerfield level. But I think if Blitz was there to take some of that pressure off Dangerfield, then could have may have well been a whole different story. Blitz could have taken would have taken a shoulder load off Dangerfield massively and would have just been another threat where the Magpies had to watch out because he is really good at doing what Dangerfield does, you know, getting the ball first and, and getting inside 50. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I was also pretty happy with the midfield. Um, obviously not so happy during the game in that the second and third quarter, but looking back at it, it's, they still did a pretty good job and still got to remember there's a lot of new faces couple of new faces in that midfield, missing a key midfielder in Cam Guthrie still. Joel Selwood's not there anymore as well. Blitzers wasn't there. Um, Shannon Neal was doing some work in there as well. So overall, um, not not going ours. The midfield lost us that game. It was a whole it was a whole team effort that did lose a game. But yeah, it's yeah. it was just uh, uh, yeah. just those small one percent those one percenters, those small things that the stats don't pick up on, that just the Cats weren't doing as well as the Magpies. Um, and mainly the pressure. I thought the pressure for the Cats was not as good as the Magpies. I thought just like that closing, all-encompassing pressure where you just saw the Magpies everywhere just surrounding this one guy. He's like, where the fuck do I go? And The, the Magpies the cats... were, were up nearly 14 tackles on their average yeah. their, their yearly average so they were and, um, 76 tackles and they, they average 62.9 and you know we've seen cats get in that position before and they've been able to find a way out but that's with selwood duncan guthrie dangerfield blixevs all in that midfield um being able to go well i'm surrounded where's my next guy but the young guys were like shit i'm surrounded get it moving get it moving this that little bit of panic Overall, as I said, still pretty happy. Um, pretty happy with how the midfield is shaping up because it's not going to be long before Dangerfield's not there, not going to be long before Stanley and Blixavs aren't there as well, along with Duncan. So it's it's good, good steps in the right direction, slow, steady steps, but necessary steps and ones that the young guys are going to be um, – thankful of having now rather than later on. And the other the other thing I would like to just point at here, not to I don't wanna I don't want to rage at the defense here, but I am I am quite like I do think the majority of the midfield did I was I was yeah like no notes really. And I do just think the thing that backs it up a little bit is Collingwood would down the best part of 10 inside 50s on their season average. Mm-hmm. So um we you know they they average 53 um Point three inside 50s and they only had 45 for the night but 
their in their efficiency inside 50 was their yearly average their yearly average the season average is 48.5 percent efficiency inside 50 they operated at 66.7 against us so that's that hurts when we're we're actually keeping yeah. them down on their entries but they're 20 percent up on their average efficient like ability to convert once once the ball goes in there um yeah. and whereas we well, were only up or just over one percent on our yearly average efficiency and we were up 0.1 percent of our um i think was something, something like 0.1 percent inside 50 or something hang on um, uh, up by three up by three up by three so you know our, no, down, our, our down by three sorry down by three not up down right yeah okay so well uh, yeah the, so so we were, we were about on par for our forward movement from the middle um and and we were also keeping collingwood way down from their forward it didn't feel that way necessarily but we were actually keeping them way down on their ability to move out but once they did they just it just every time it just led to a goal like can you guys even remember one really great intercept mark in our back 50 no not really and i think the stat that also backs up what you're talking about same is with the magpies inside 50 out of tackles their average yes. is 9.3 and they had 12 where the cats average is nine and the cats only had four so i think there was that there yeah, that definitely backs up everything you're saying those inside 50s weren't didn't they didn't have as many as we did but just that pressure to make mis- make the cats make mistakes and then tackling tackling or yeah, like we were impressive. we we were talking about them it feeling a little bit like 2021 cats the way the, yeah. the those dirty goals were going through but it actually I mean I sound so doom and gloom here and I'm actually not that doom and gloom I felt pretty good after this game despite the result mm. and I still feel pretty good about about this team um but just just while we're talking about it it actually kind of felt a little bit worse than 2021 because not only were those goals getting over the back those weird like clearances and our defense is so high pushed up to their arc and they've got like three people sitting in there and they can get those dirty goals at the back not only were they doing that which is very 2021 but they also just seem to have the ascendancy the aerial ascendancy against us mm. which is just bizarre especially because bizarre. like i think we spoiled pretty well i think rat got some good spoils i think we muddied the waters of their their aerial delivery but Again, we weren't doing the follow-ups and stopping that those dirty goals off the ground then. And so it was kind of like every time yeah. that Magpies... And the last quarter is a great example. When we had the momentum and Dangerfield was ripping out and pushing it in there, we looked like we, we could beat a team by 120 points. But as soon as we kicked <laughs> it behind and they were able to transition to being on ball and move it out, you just went... Oh well, shit! Here comes a goal. You just you just knew it was like they were so efficient yeah. at it, and we were so unable to stop them that I I felt really confident during that game, even into the deep fourth quarter of going and and earlier in the third quarter when it was looking really bad because I knew as your stats backed up, Jake, we're really good in the fourth quarter, and I felt yeah. really good about the fact that we would get some ascendancy and we would be able to 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 stop to to really put the pressure on and turn it around 
But as soon as there was some of the, not even the our defensive turnovers, but when we turn it over in the forward line, it was just this really weird feeling of going, normally I would feel pretty confident about this ball traveling back. Because I'd go, yeah. even if we don't mm. stop it, a turnover is incoming. Whereas in this game, yeah. they had the ball in their back line and you went, well, here's a goal. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not how you should feel. <laughs> you should be like, it's okay, we can stop it. It's just that you know, we've got them trapped in their defense and we just, we just did not and- at all. I think that, I honestly think that's part of the roulette you play with Collingwood. Like even if you go back to the qualifying final last year, there was an element of risk taking to it, knowing mm. that if you had a turnover in your Ford 50, they were going to come back the other way pretty swiftly and you were going to sort of, you know, be holding on by your fingernails. Just while you guys were talking, I, I added up a couple of different um, stats. So one was the uncontested possession. And it absolutely is, as we said it is, and it matches up with, you know, the quarters you win and the quarters you don't. Um, the Cats, uh, quarters one and four total, Geelong had 111 uncontested possessions to 97. So the Cats won quarters one and four combined by 14 uncontested possessions. Wait for the hammer to drop. Quarters two and three, Geelong lost the uncontested possessions 145 to 90. So a minus 55 uncontested <laughs> possessions in quarters two and three. Um, I also had a look at the tackles inside 50 for Geelong. We had four for the game, two in the mm. first quarter, two in the last, and we did not have a tackle inside 50 across quarters two and three. Uh, and the last yeah. couple that I, I added up, was marks inside 50. So this goes back to what you're talking about, like Collingwood being so efficient with 42 inside 50s. Collingwood had a mark inside attacking 50 on 40% of their inside 50s, and they scored on 64.4% of their inside 50s. Geelong, conversely, 29% of inside 50s had a mark, and we scored on 50% of our inside 50s. So, like, in a game that you lose by nine points, allowing a team to score on 64.4% of their entries and to have a mark inside 50 on 40% of those entries, I think it all speaks to everything we've been saying. We beat them at the contested ball. We beat them at the clearances. Yeah. Um, but we did not... We were unable to stop their uncontested possession, their spread, and we were not able to clamp down on them basically at any stage inside 50. I tell you what, all this talk about these stats and, you know, playing against the Pies, losing, unfortunately, to the Pies and all that, it just goes to show shit. The Caps are still all right because Magpies is mm. clearly best team in the league and they still just, they still had to fight and scrape to beat the Cats when it was still, you know, it basically in sort of like a slight rebuild transitioning period. Um, a lot's going on. New faces coming in, faces going out. Um, so, yeah, the Cats doing exceptionally well through a pretty tumultuous time, as they say, for the club. But, you know what, it's, it's exciting. It's good. And I don't understand... Other Cats fans losing their minds saying, this is the end. It's the end. 
Oh, it's that the stuff- end was last year. That was the the end was last year. The end <laughs> of the book the was beginning. last year. This is the new book. This is like the preface, the preface of mm. the new book before chapter one begins next year. So just have patience because you know, and, we, and even we know though it's what the start means. and the chapter one starts next year, we're still we're still in it. So yeah. <laughs> we could, it could be a really good preface. It could exactly. be a really good, exciting preface. I think if you look at a couple of things too, like a game that you get so shellacked in those that the middle half, essentially quarters two and mm. three, um, you lose by eight points in the end. Jeremy Cameron kicked four behinds. Shannon Neal kicked two mm. behinds, and Brandon Parfit I think put one short or out on the full. All, Jeremy Cameron and, and, also know, kicked one out Cam- on the full. Yeah. So you kind of go. Jeremy Cameron had a great game, seven goals for an incredible return. But both he and Shannon Neal had chances that I think they would back themselves to slot those yeah. in mm. other instances. And so I think it's Shannon Neal, we can sort of go, yeah, fair enough. First game back for a while, nerves would be high. Mm. Because but Tom Hawkins hits him. those goals. Tom Hawkins hits You know what I mean? Goals, like absolutely. that's another thing. Um, Cameron, you go, well, he's been off. He's kicked seven goals. That's not right. But sort of like Brandon Parfit, you go, you're, if you're going to back up, you should, we should be expecting Parfit to be able to kick those goals um, most days of the week. You'd be backing him in um, along with, I think, yeah. did, no, Oli Henry didn't miss any, did he? No, Oli uh, Henry no. was good. Uh, he, no. he missed, he missed the, the one after the siren and then actually oh, yeah. he kicked it. Yes, <laughs> because the scoreboard and everything. Yeah, the umpire, the umpire made the wrong signal, and the scoreboard went up, oh. and then it went back down, and then it went back up a goal. Like it, <laughs> it all just the umpire made the wrong the wrong call, and then quickly went, "Oh no, I meant I meant it was goal." And the whole yeah, it was, it was bizarre to watch the um the scoreboard was... all like re- readjusting. Yeah, but um, uh, yeah, I I I totally see what you mean, Jake. Like. And that's probably why I felt good about this game. And and before it, as we were sitting down, I think I turned to you and Jacko and I said, as long as this isn't an unmitigated disaster, yep. I'm going to be pretty happy. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't really like, it was just so emblematic of this year in that, like when we said, if we can go three and one in that month, whatever that month was talking about, then I'll be happy. And we went one, two and a draw. And we're like, we just can't, it just won't let us, get a clear yeah. picture of where we're at no matter what and that's exactly what happened yeah uh, on the weekend we can't like it doesn't it doesn't still doesn't feel like we've seen a full picture of this team because the midfield finally ticked we had some big outs but the midfield was still cracking the forward line had some big outs but we Jeremy Cameron's back and we still put on a pretty decent score but then the back line kind of lost its marbles so it's, <laughs> it's like, can, can we just see that game again but with like a you know a, a bit more of an organized efficient backline like yeah I, I just i just wasn't super unhappy it felt like it was only a it was only a couple of umpiring calls or a couple a couple of straighter kicks from from being a win or you know or possibly losing by more um it's been a lot of furor obviously about the jeremy cameron goals there was at least three oh. or four absolutely shocking calls that went the pies way so i just call it i'm gonna call it even i think Pushing the back on Tom Stewart, and then the holding the ball. Where was it? Um, was it radically that, <laughs> that laid was the, the same play? Wasn't it the yeah, same it was play? The same Tom play. Stewart got shoved yeah. in the back, 
And then there was a, I don't care. I don't care. It was to me that is holding the ball. If you have the ball and you drop it to kick it, which is what he did, and you got tackled off the ball, that's holding the ball. Every that's day holding of the, week. the ball anywhere else yeah. on the ground, and, and as it you was, said, they paid Tom, it later Tom Atkins in the game. got done for it. Exactly the yeah. same. So no. anyway, <laughs> we try not to talk about the umpiring <laughs> this... too much, but when everyone else is going to talk about it, yes, and the missed fifties, the, the the yeah, missed fifties, the descent, all that shit, the Jeremy Cameron, hand, the Brad Close hand pass. As far as I know, yeah, that's that's completely illegal. They missed that one. Yeah. The mark that could have been out of bounds. Um, that's like a 50-50 call it's, it's like, like a 50-50 a... and apparently there's another angle I can't remember who it was I think it was Nathan Buckley talking about that one reviewing it and he said he's okay with that one he said that, yeah. that there was another angle shown and, and he thinks it's a it's an umpire's discretion call and yeah. I, I agree that's, I think that, that it was a, a bad s- angle the broadcast angle made it look like it was six metres out of bounds <laughs> as I said to um, I think I was talking to you and Jake I was might have been a chat or our footy chat said I would have been happy if it was I was happy that was a mark. I said, would have also been fine if it was caught out of bounds on the foot. Yeah. Like, well, Paid him back for that one that he yeah. absolutely took that wasn't a mark. Yeah. And then there was oh. that one earlier in the game where the Collingwood player took it and there was all this, oh, did it touch the ground? Did it touch the ground or not? And I said, and... who cares? Just pay the mark. Like, I'm happy yeah. with that being a mark. Great effort. Like, splitting hairs at that point. Um, so, yeah. I did touch the ground, so it wasn't a mark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I don't. I put up a tweet about it saying, you know, I'm, I, I swear the umpires took a tab of acid at quarter time. And people are like, oh, what are you even mentioning the umpiring for? It's like, it's nothing to do with bias. Because I there were calls where I was like throughout the night going, oh, shit, that's holding the ball against us. Mm. And it's a ball it, up. Yeah, it's and, nothing and to go, do with like, bias. It's everything to do with momentum. <laughs> and Well, that's true as yeah. well. Momentum like, and yeah, umpires. Some people say doesn't exist. I think there's there's also that one thing that I, I'm guilty of forgetting, and I think a lot of other people are forgetting is umpires are on the ground, and they could just be in a really terrible spot that they don't see what's going on. And during the heat of a game, yeah. when you're watching this, go well, umpire, what are you doing? That should have been holding the ball. It's like, well, where was he on the ground? He may not have had the perfect view, and I think. And- that's just one thing that we've got to get in our heads. I, I just don't believe that they can't be influenced at all. Like they're yeah. human, they're human beings. And you just watch that game, Geelong, all the calls going their way. They're up, they're up, all the calls going their way. Through that middle period of the game where Geelong couldn't go, do anything right, couldn't mm. buy a free kick. And yeah. then at the end, Geelong's on the comeback. Suddenly Jeremy Cameron gets mm. two two calls that one of them could have gone against him, the other one should have gone against. Like it just, it just, it really does, I think. Like, yeah. The crowd gets into it. The umpires get sucked yeah. in. Like not not consciously, they're not going. Oh, I'm going to feed the narrative here. Yeah. But you just you just you would get sucked into the hype of it. Geelong's on the comeback, yeah. so you just fifty fifty calls start being, you know, just a little tip that way. <laughs> I tell you what, if they if they want the rules to be one hundred percent followed by the letter, then get robots watching it from different angles, zoomed on and every single play, rules and then... that make sense. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that don't come up to interpret. Don't say things like prior opportunity, which are completely up to interpretation. Attempted to get rid yeah. of it. Attempted Concerted effort. Yeah, it's like but, duty of care. Yeah. I think the one that I don't get is the, the he tried to get rid of handball while being tackled. It's like, well, that that you're always trying to get rid of it being tackled. So if he's trying, yeah. shouldn't that be holding the ball? 
Yeah. Like he tried to kick it, but he missed. Well, that's holding the ball. Yeah. To, um, just to try. illustrate it, Ge- Geelong, 10 free kicks total in quarters one, two, and three, and they had seven in the last quarter. Uh, and Collingwood in the last quarter did not get a free kick. No free oh. kicks for Collingwood in the last quarter. So it's, yeah, it, it's yeah. totally. Anyway, we should get into some player votes because we are running long here. We've got a Patreon section to get to. So let's get to some votes. Sambo, I'll start with you, then Johnny, and then me. It's a tough one. <laughs> it, is, it is tough because, honestly, the people I want to put in the votes probably don't quite. Like, I want to put people in the votes to, as, like, sim- symbolically. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go with one vote to Jeremy Cameron. It's, it's not a lot of votes for seven goals. I'm aware of that. <laughs> um, but he missed a couple, and two of his goals were given to him by the umpire, so fuck him. Uh- <laughs> 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 um <laughs> no look it was great to see him back i i did say i did say jake his youtube was back up he's going to be on on the money and he was he was pretty much there he was not 100 percent back, Called but it. he was he was much closer to himself so one vote to jeremy cameron hopefully he can continue that form next week i gave him two votes to patrick dangerfield they're doing dangerfield stuff caped up for probably the longest period we've seen him cape up for this year yep uh, yeah. But I'm giving three votes to Tom Atkins. Nice. Um, 34 disposals, 15 kicks, 19 handballs, hand four marks, eight tackles, uh, eight clearances. Eight clearances. Fuck yeah! Like, I'm I'm happy with that. <laughs> that's nice. that's uh, we we talk about what players need to need to do to be their perfect game. I think that's pretty close. I don't think you're going to see Tom Atkins do much more than that. Really, yeah. um, I think that's I think that's a pretty Pretty fantastic um, performance. I haven't looked Pretty at his. Effort. I didn't didn't look at his disposal efficiency. I generally try not to because it's generally seventy three percent by foot. That's that's phenomenal. That's great. That's awesome. Very good. Yeah, done. Three votes. Gary Rowan at hundred percent disposal efficiency. I see. How many disposals did he have? <laughs> two. One. Two. <laughs> I think it was two. Uh, <laughs> doesn't matter. Still hundred um, percent. Yeah. So they're, they're my what? votes. Quick and easy. What about you, Johnny? I'm going very similar to Sam, just different order. Um, well, basically the same as Sam, but different order. I'm giving Tom Atkins one, giving Cameron the two, and giving Dangerfield the three. And I think it was by far the best game of seeing Dangerfield play for a while and do what we've been needing Dangerfield to do um, for a long time and throughout the basically entire game. And it was good to see him lead from the front again and hopefully that's a it's a sign that he's going to do it for the next two weeks and really bring the team with him and go this is what we're capable of let's do it especially with cameron playing it like he is do you yeah. do you have path um, you... me yeah no i just wanted to br- i didn't think you would but i just wanted to briefly say we haven't talked about Parfit at all. We talked about him last week. We talked about him in the preview. Um, we haven't touched on it. I, I thought he did pretty well. Um, mm. Only only spent 40% of the game on the ground, 13 disposals, eight tackles, two clearances. I think that's, I think that's pretty good. Well, the, and, and his eight tackles were equal game high. Yeah. And he only played 40% of time on ground. Had a couple of clearances. Um, yeah, I, look, I think... 
yeah, he's right on the cusp for me. And and some people, some people on Twitter were saying, "Oh, I've seen enough. I've seen enough from Brandon Parfit." You know, and there were a few people saying that about Jack Bowes too. Mm. You know, I guess I think the beauty of football, I suppose, the beauty and the 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 ugliness of football, um, is that we don't always see the same things. Um, I think the one area Parfit still probably needs to clean up is the disposal efficiency. He had 38.5% disposal efficiency. All the other stuff is there. And that's, what's kind of frustrating is he works so hard. He's such a good, he had six contested, six uncontested, equal game, high tackles, um, 15 pressure acts, you know, again, keeping in mind, he played 40% of time, but you know, he's gone at 28.6% by foot. That's that is going to be the reason players like Tanner Bruin hmm. are ahead of him. Players like Jack Bowes, you know, like the, there's just going to be players ahead of him because you can't. If it, it can be fifty percent, it can be fifty five percent. It just can't be thirty eight percent. And I think that's the that's going to be the battle for him. But I I really thought his his tackling his pressure. His contested efforts, it's its everything that I, I've loved about watching him in the hoops. Um, but the next step, if he wants to get back in consistently, is, is going to be that. Can the disposal yeah. be improved? Um, mm-hmm. I'll jump into my votes. And I'm going to give one to Patrick Dangerfield. Mm-hmm. Not only did he have the 26 touches or whatever it was, but he also... Kicked a goal and set up two more, two goal assists. 12, 12 scoring uh, moments for Dangerfield. It's massive. 11 inside 50s, which is game high. Um, I'm giving two votes to Jeremy Cameron. It's a hell of a performance. Mm-hmm. Um, probably missed a couple that he'd normally get, but then he did kick seven, so it's like... Uh, but three, I'm going Tom Atkins as well. I think, like a lot of players this season, it's like, that's the thing. Frame that one. Mm. Get that. I, I just actually watched his highlights before we started recording. He's a beast. He's an absolute Seriously. beast. 34 touches, uh, as you said. The other couple of things I wanted to bring up, 19 nine. contested possessions, which le- yep. led the game. Uh, nine, um, nine score involvements. So it's not, not danger for 12, but nine, nine is still high for him. Yeah. He, he actually had, uh, I'm just looking at, the only player on the ground who had more effective disposals than Atkins was Josh Dacos. And they're very different players. I think that's what's most impressive is Tom Atkins had 26 pressure acts as well as 26 effective disposals. Dacos, 31 effective disposals, but only nine pressure acts. So Mm. like that is as well, that could be one of Tom Atkins' best career games to do everything he did with the pressure and tackling but then also win 30 plus touches, a stack of clearances. Um, yeah, I think he is one of the pieces that is the future of the midfield. Um, yeah. I I love him to bits and very happy for him to, to perform that well on a big stage um, all night. All right, let's get out of here, chaps. Let's go over into the Patreon part of the show. We're going to take a closer look the next 10, 15 minutes, just talking about Jack Bowes and how we felt about his game um, yeah, versus what everyone else sort of seemed to think. Not everyone. There were some people who really agreed with what we said. So 
we're just going to give you our perspective over on the Patreon. Uh, thanks so much for listening. I saw a couple more five-star reviews pop up on Spotify mm-hmm. and Apple Podcasts. So if, if you love the pod, go on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you prefer to listen. Give us a five-star rating. And if you want to write a little review, we love that. It does help us. helps lift the old podcast up the aggregating services. So appreciate it. Until next time, go cats. Go cats. Go cats.